Despite all they've been through in recent years, the people of Belfast in Northern Ireland would rather forget about April 15, 1912. That's the date the Titanic sank in the North Atlantic on its maiden voyage to New York, just less than two weeks from the day it was launched from the Belfast shipyards. Susie Miller specializes in leading tours of the sites and the history of the Titanic in Belfast, and she's here to help us explore the famous ship's legacy which still captures the world's imagination all these years later. Susie, ahoy. Pleasure. Give us the context. What was the Titanic? Why was it so important? What happened? And then what's your family story? The Titanic was the biggest ship in the world when it was built in 1912, and primarily it was built to take people to America, in particular emigrants who were going out to, to start a new life. People see that the film of Titanic and see all these people dressed up in glamorous clothes and think it was all about those first-class passengers. But actually, how that shipping line made its money was transporting thousands and thousands of, of emigrants, third-class passengers. The first class were just the, the sort of decoration at the top of the ship. But for me, um, Titanic was built in Belfast, and sometimes people don't, don't know that because we haven't shouted about it for a long time. And my great-grandfather, Thomas Miller, was one of the engineers who helped to build her. And then he decided he was going to sail on her, like so many people, checking out the new world, see what opportunities were there. So he left my grandfather and his brother behind, told them both he would see them again in a few months' time. Each of the boys was given two new pennies, 1912 pennies, and was told not to spend them until they saw their father again. So my grandfather remembers watching Titanic sailing down Belfast Lock, clutching these two pennies in his hand. My great-grandfather was one of the crew of Titanic. He had no chance of getting off that ship, so unfortunately he perished. When my five-year-old grandfather heard that news, he remembered what he'd been told, don't spend those two pennies. So he kept them. They've been passed down through the generations, and I still have them to this day. Oh, my goodness. You've got a 1912 penny. I have two, yes. Your great-grandfather gave to your grandfather. Yes. It's the only thing he had to remind him of his father who had sailed off on Titanic with the hope of providing better opportunities for those two kids. But wow. he was on the wrong ship. This was a, a state-of-the-art ship in its day. How long did it take for the, the voyage across? It would have taken from Southampton in the south coast of England right over to New York City. It should have taken five to six days. Titanic wasn't built for speed. It was all about luxury. It was mm -hmm. all about providing the best facilities for those first-class passengers. Even so, getting across in five or six days was quite remarkable back then, I would it, think. It was pretty good going, yes. Mm -hmm. and they made a few stops to pick up passengers in France and in the south mm -hmm. coast of Ireland as well. But unfortunately, they were going just too fast when they hit that ice field. Mm. Uh, really, if you're going to blame somebody for Titanic, I blame the captain. He didn't take control of the situation. He should have slowed right down or stopped for the night when he knew there was ice in the area. He was a little bit too um, confident in his ship that it didn't need to go by the rules. I, I think so, yes. There, there were so many superlatives. You know, this was the biggest ship in the world mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be unsinkable. Mm. And really, that's why this embarrassment about it prevailed in Belfast for so long because it's we right because Belfast really never trumpeted the fact that uh, the the Titanic was from that city. It was almost an embarrassment, but yeah. but now that's different. And you lead tours uh, celebrating the heritage, the Belfast heritage of making great ships, even well, though one of them sank after hitting an iceberg. Yeah, that's it. You know, Titanic is really just the hook uh, to everything that was going on in in Belfast all those years ago. 
uh, you know, obviously everybody knows the brand Titanic, so they want to come and see where it was built and where yeah. it was fitted out and where all these thousands of workers actually worked to make this happen. Okay, so you've built a whole tour around the Titanic in Belfast that you've designed and lead. Yeah. Tell me what, what would that tour entail, whether I'm with you or not. What would I do to make a Titanic-themed tour in Belfast? In Belfast. Well, you know, for me, it's all about the people. Uh, so we're visiting places that are pertinent to some of the main characters in the Titanic story. Thomas Andrews, for example, who was the designer of the ship, who went down with the ship. We go to where he lived, his house, where he left from on that morning with all these hopes and dreams. We go to the beach where my grandfather stood and watched Titanic sail out, where all that story unfolded. The cottage where he was brought up afterwards is still there. It's a whitewashed thatch cottage. You couldn't get more Irish if you wow. tried. Yeah. Uh, you can walk down the slipways where Titanic was actually constructed. You can visit the dry dock where her propellers were put on. You can Whoa. visit. No, the... wait a minute. There's a. I mean, I remember this. There is a dry dock in Belfast that is so huge. Literally, the Titanic could fit in it. Yeah, it was built specifically for Titanic. So it's a big Titanic-shaped hole in the ground, basically like a jelly mold for yeah. Titanic. And that really starts to bring home to people just how huge this ship was. You know, when my grandfather was taken to see it, he couldn't understand what it was. As a five-year-old boy, he looked up at this huge, big structure, and he couldn't figure out what it was. Now, when you stand there in Belfast and you look at this huge dry dock, how, how long was the Titanic? It was 882 feet. 882 feet. That's three football fields long, basically, as an American can think in terms of football fields. Whoa. And when you look at that, what I would think is... Hmm, 1912. This was when the British Empire was really at its peak. It was before yep. World War One, and That's the right. sun never set on the British Empire. Uh, and exactly. So on. And this was sort of the industrial heartland, wasn't it? It was, yes. Uh-huh. Belfast had the biggest linen producers in the world, biggest rope works, biggest shipbuilders, and all those allied trades that fed into those industries. It really was a huge wheel in the, the British Empire. Titanic, I suppose, is the symbol of, of all that that led up to. So when you're talking about Titanic sightseeing, uh, you, you got Belfast, and uh, is there a museum in Belfast that you would go to that gives a little of the maritime history? Yes, there is. A few years back now, uh, Titanic Belfast opened, which is a very modern structure, mm-hmm. uh, and it sits right at the heart of where Titanic was built, right at the head of the slipways. It's a very, very outstanding-looking building, and it interprets the Titanic story from a, a modern point of view. It's all audiovisual. Mm-hmm. There's lots of buttons to press that the kids will like. And, yeah, it gets under the surface of why Belfast? Why was this thing built in Belfast? What was going on there 100 years ago? 100 years ago in Belfast. And now, uh, of course, Belfast is in the far north of Ireland. The Titanic's last stop before its fateful voyage was Cove in the south of Ireland. That's correct, yes. And that town, it's a little confusing because it's spelled C-O-B-H. Yes. And it's spelled like Cove. Cove, yeah, like a cove. Right. Uh And it's near the very beautiful and touristic town of Kinsale. Cove has... A marvelous maritime museum that has a lot on both the Lusitania and the Titanic, two great, if unfortunately, uh, fateful stories from maritime history. Yes, indeed, yes. They also opened a museum down in in Cove just to commemorate that that was the last port of call of Titanic, and that's where a lot of those steerage immigration passengers got on. And their museum is housed within the old White Star Line ticket office, so it ah. really has a, a tangible connection. It does. Uh, to you almost can on. feel like you were one of those immigrants and you cobbled together your last money and you bought the ticket and you're ready to go to the new land. That's it, yes. You know, it's all about the future and heading out with such high hopes, which a few days later were all lying in shatters. 
Well, there's a lot of uh, interesting connections from that corner of Ireland. I mean, this is, uh, I think, Charles Lindbergh, who flew from America. I think the first land he saw in Europe was the southwest tip of Ireland. Mm -hmm. You've got the first scoop. Do you know the story about the scoop? In America, we have the, uh, in news, if you get the scoop, that means you got the first story. Okay. Yeah. And, and they used to throw a capsule off of a ship from the United States with news in it, and somebody would go in a boat out from the southwest tip of Ireland and scoop it up, <laughs> and they'd run home and they'd have that news from America. The first telegraph wire was laid from the United States over to the British Isles, and all of this must have been a, an exciting time uh, about 100 years ago. And yes, we feel indeed. that today in our sightseeing when we go to Ireland. Yes, uh-huh. there, there's so many little things. I mean, Marconi, for example, was experimenting with his radio uh, signals and he did those between Ballycastle and Rathlin Island off the north coast of uh, Northern Ireland. So, you, you know, you've got all these little sidebars going on as you drive around the coast of Northern Ireland. So now what did the sinking of the, the Titanic mean to the city and the industry in Belfast? Well, you know, it didn't so much uh, destroy Harland and Wolf. Their boom years were the war years, which were just coming. And then, of course, the Second World War as well. Harland and Wolf is actually still in existence. It's still there. They just don't make ships anymore. They do big, heavy engineering projects. When I come into Belfast, of course, the first thing I notice is what you nicknamed Samson and Goliath. Are, are they related? These are the two giant cranes yes. for shipbuilding. Yes, they have H&W written on them, which we now say stands for Hello and Welcome instead of Hello Harland. and Welcome. <laughs> That's cute. I didn't realize that. That's nice. But yeah, at the time when, when Titanic sank, really Belfast went quiet about it. We didn't know how to deal with it. Shipyard workers are big, rough, tough men and they don't show their feelings. So rather than deal with it, we just ignored it until quite recently, really, until about the 1980s when the wreck was finally discovered. And we're talking about Belfast, and of course Belfast was an industrial heavyweight city, but then you had the troubles and all the violence, and it scared away a lot of tourism. And I remember decades ago going to Belfast, and there was nothing but checkpoints and nervousness and angry graffiti. Today, Ireland is kind of a success story, a former sectarian uh, extremist and problems getting it together. And of course, it's it's not la-la land, but uh, people are realizing violence is not the answer. And uh, Ireland is learning to live with its different communities. When we go as a tourist to Belfast, is there any concern about safety for a tourist or, or lingering problems because of the troubles? Really, I would say you would be fine. There are times around July when you will have marches taking place, demonstrations, it's good not really to get caught up in those, especially around the 12th or 13th of July. So that is, is this relating to the orange, yes, orange the, marches? Yes, those are, are commemorating the Battle of the Boyne, right. uh, which was uh, a short time ago. It was 1690. So, you know, the best thing is just to be an observer. Just stand That's back right. and watch and everything will be fine. Stick to the main areas of the city and you will be absolutely grand. But we take lots of tours to Ireland. I have, a, I have an ethic of not taking a tour to Ireland without including North Ireland as well as the Republic. Mm-hmm. You lead tours almost every day while you're in town in Belfast. And right. uh, you get a lot of Americans. And I think both of us can, can honestly say if you're concerned about any kind of uh, safety issues uh, relating to the troubles of Ireland, those days are past. And if you're going to go to Ireland, there's no problem at all to hop on that train in Dublin. It takes less than two hours and get up to Belfast and check out an exciting city with a great opportunity to learn more about the Titanic. And the thing is, we'll be so glad to see you. We didn't have tourists for so many years that now that people are starting to come to Belfast and they're interested, you will receive a really warm welcome when you get there. After all, the big cranes, standing for Harland and Wolf. H and W actually means hello and welcome. Susie Miller, thanks a lot for a little understanding of the Titanic and also a little uh, good reason to visit your hometown, Belfast. Thank you. 
Rick Steves teaches smart travel to England, Scotland, Ireland and beyond. At ricksteves.com you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours, a monthly travel newsletter and a world of information to help you turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. To gear up for your next adventure in Great Britain or Ireland, begin your trip at ricksteves.com.